I'm uh, thrilled that you guys are here with us today. It's going to be a great time. We're completing our It's Time series today, and so the final message in our four-part series um, about and, uh, just it's time. It's time to get going with our relationship with God. And so we've, we've looked through this first month of the year just trying to prepare ourselves for what's going to come for the rest of the year. And so it's, a, um, it's really important today's message because of this scripture verse. Let me read it for you. Don't put it up on the screen just yet. I'll, I'll just read this one, and then we'll get back to it later. It's in Galatians 6, and it's verse 9 that says the following. It says, don't allow yourself to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. It's so important that we don't give up. Everybody say, don't give up. Come on, come on. If we can just keep believing that when the Bible says through faith and patience we will inherit the promises and we can stay faithful and keep going in God's direction, the things that need change, they do change, but they do change over time. And so that's why it's important for us to just consider some thoughts here today. Um, the last three messages basically spoke about the things we do to make these changes in our lives happen, right? We spoke about getting going in our relationship with God, breaking from things that we need to leave behind, some of our history, right? How many of you have some history you'd like to let, let, just let die and let be in the past, yeah? Some hurts, things that went down that we need to get healing from so that we can move on with our life, and, and even some habits, some ways of life, some ways of doing things that we've kind of gotten used to. Um, they might not be like, you know, the very most destructive habits, but some of them are just chipping away at your character. Maybe some of them are just chipping away at good disciplines. And so there's some of those things that we just need to change and just get back into the good governance of the kingdom in our lives. Amen. And good disciplines. And we talk about just how do, we, how do we know God more intentionally? And we've been challenging ourselves to know God more intentionally during this time of prayer and fasting. And I want to just say to you, if you haven't joined us yet, if, like if you haven't started fasting yet, you can still join us for the last week. Okay. So we've been going at it for two weeks and it's been kind of, it's been kind of having its effect on some of us, right? Um, no, I'm just kidding. It's not why we fast. But the bottom line is I did lose a couple of pounds in the process as well. Um, but it's been a great time of connecting with Jesus. I've, I've found time to connect with God that I normally thought wasn't there. And it was because I was either um, consuming something on Facebook or I was shopping online for something. Not really shopping. You know, when you do window shopping, but you do it online, you know. Or I was just, you know, I was just lazy and just being, no, not doing much. And in those times, I found so much time to connect with Jesus. But I've also been using some of my eating time naturally to be uh, eating more of Scripture. And so it's really been an awesome time. I feel refreshed in God. And I want to invite you to come and join us for the last week, okay? Um, it's a real practical way to get to know Jesus better. Take a meal this week and fast it for a couple of days. And use that meal time to spend with God. Take a little bit of a moment where you normally do something that you are, you know, that, that you have fun doing, and take that and replace that with spending time with Jesus. Here's why God wants your conversations with Him to go beyond, um, Lord, please forgive me for what I've done wrong. And He also wants our conversations to go beyond just coming and saying, Lord, can you please help me with this? There is so much more He would like us to be talking about. And, and God desires a, a conversation and a relationship with us that's more akin to what we would have with our friends. 
Sometimes you just talk about stuff just because we're talking about it. There doesn't need to have a conclusion. We don't need to be doing something. There's no real, you know, plans that needs to get made. It's just I'm sharing my thoughts with you and you're sharing yours with mine and we're having a good time together. God wants to have that kind of connection with each and every one of us. But it takes us to get used to kind of knowing that, hey, when I am actually just having random thoughts to just go ahead and direct them to God. Just, just go ahead and, 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 and say, hey, Lord, so this is what I'm currently thinking. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about that. What do you think about that? And then staying quiet and seeing if you can, in your mind, just hear him speak words of affirmation, words of encouragement to you, encouraging you to keep going or just going and give you fresh, different thoughts on the same thing. It's amazing when you have those moments. So I just wish each and every one of you would desire to have that pursue to to pursue to try and get to know Jesus like that because he is always present and always willing to press in to have that relationship with you but the Bible is very clear that you have to draw near to him for him to draw near to you so in this time that we have um, where we're more intentionally getting to know God do take some time and join us in this last bit and then also sorry if you haven't come out to one of our corporate prayer meetings okay I want to ask you there's just two more of them left. Please come and join us. It's at our offices at 22 Mill Street, 20, 220 Mill Street, sorry. Um, and we have a little, great little space there where we pray together. And it'll be just so good to have you come around um, one of the two evenings, either Tuesday or, or Thursday this, this week. Because that's going to be the last times we, we meet together for our prayer and fasting time. It starts at 6.30. I'd like to see you there. Um, but... Similar things we've been discussing, how do we make changes that prepare us for uh, what God intends our lives to be like and what, what He intends it to look like? But it, it, it requires action from us. And, and coming to a church meeting is one of those good actions, that you, those good habits that you incorporate. And it by itself will benefit you, it'll bless you, it'll bring transformation to your life. But it is not enough to bring you to where Jesus desires to be with you because he wants to have personal relationship with you in private as well. And so um, we also looked in our second message is just checking what we consume. Like what are we listening to? What are the thoughts that we are allowing to roll around, you know, our minds? And music is so powerful. Think about it. If, if all you constantly hear is how you're going to you know, get the next girl and how you're going to treat the next girl and, and all of that, no wonder your whole perspective in life is going to be about girls. Yeah? If you're constantly just listening to music that is about, you know, um, how old you can, all the money in the world that you can spend and all that, no wonder you're consumed with just money and riches. We have to be careful what we allow to consume our minds and to roll around in our subconscious and that's why it's so important for us to do a checkup and, and and as we do these things we can start proactively looking into how do we listen to God's words God's thoughts God's ideas and how do we make those things mill around in our head um, can you listen to audio bible while you're driving to work instead of listening to the radio now I know we often listen to a1 and that's a good start but sometimes we just need to put the word of God on and let it fill our minds and our hearts with the things that we need to meditate on, right? And so we've been talking, of, uh, talking also about how do we become intentional in using our time, our treasures, and our talents to serve people around us, living and being a part of something that's bigger than ourselves, and investing in stuff through our time and our talents 
that will benefit other people. We talk about our purpose, finding who we are and letting that be a benefit to the people around us. And then last week we talked about failure. Tough message because I've experienced a lot of failure in my life. And, but how to stand up from failure and how to trust God and help and allow God to help you move beyond it and overcome it. And so it's so important that we put these messages to practice. If you will practice these messages, they'll transform your life. That's just the, the basic truth. Not because it's us who preached it or made it, because the Word of God applied makes growth happen in our lives. That is, that is how it works. And, and so um, these thoughts put together really can make you g- gain momentum in your, in your relationship with God. And so today we're going to discuss this following tension. Why, if I have been making all these changes and if I've been trying, look, if you haven't been trying to change anything, like don't expect anything to change. That's easy to understand, right? But let's say you've been trying to make these efforts and you've been starting to sow good seeds. You've been making good decisions, changing things up and trying to bring God's order into the way you govern your life according to His way, not according to your own way. You've been doing this, but it seems like your past keeps catching up with you. Mistakes that you've made in your past, decisions that you made in your past just doesn't go away. And they just keep hindering you and they keep influencing you and they keep frustrating you. How many of you have experienced that before? All right. I certainly have. And that's why it's really important for us to realize the principles that we're going to spend today. So let me read the rest of Galatians 6 verse, uh, we're going to read from verse 7 to 9. It says, make no mistake about it. God will not be mocked for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap actually reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a natural uh, a harvest of corruption. But if you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that flow from the life of the spirit, the everlasting spirit. And then it says, and don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened by implanting good seeds. For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. God made a decree over this world. When Adam, um, not Adam, when Noah came out of the flood, out of the ark and the flood was done, um, God renewed his covenant with Noah. And then he said to Noah, from now on, there will be seasons There will be day and night, and there will be seed time and harvest. And what he essentially put in in, in place is that this earth will continue to be a cause and effect environment. If if there is a cause, there's going to be a reciprocated effect. And that is a natural law that you cannot escape. Which means, whatever you sow, you will reap. Even if you sow bad stuff. But also if you sow good stuff. Now, every single decision you make is a little seed that you're sowing. Every little action you do is a little seed that you're sowing. And left unchecked, that can produce a harvest of destruction for you. But if you plant a good seed and you tend to it, that seed will also provide you with a harvest of righteousness. And that's how you build your life. You build your life by not planting bad seeds and by planting good seeds. Because you kind of want to um, maximize this principle. The first, the first principle, w- which is that you reap what you sow. 
So I want to invite you on a little exercise. Look at your life right now and look at every aspect of your life. Okay, don't just look at your, your, um, your personal health or whatever. Look at all aspects, your marriage, your kids, your relationship with your greater family, your, your workplace, your whatever you, wherever you are involved in anything in life, just consider that for a minute and ask yourself, where have you reaped destruction, challenges, difficulty, and where are you reaping God's blessing, God's provision, and God's guidance? Now, here's what you need to realize is that what you're seeing is not externally determined. It's actually revealing your past actions and decisions uh, and, and things that you did. It's revealing the seed that you have sown. So if, you don't, if you're looking at your life, you're like the fruit of your marriage currently, then, then you need to realize that that is a result of seed that you sowed. That you sowed. If you're looking at your finances currently and you don't like that fruit don't be blaming anybody else think what is the seed that i sowed that produced this harvest if you're not currently doing well in your work or in your academics or don't be looking for external reasons why that is realize that you're living in yesterday's planted seed and so when i when i went through high school i i didn't do great at math right but I know why I didn't do great at math in my senior year. It was because in my, um, what's that one called again? It's the one where you're in grade 10. The sophomore year. Why is it more soft? Sophomore. Are you more softer then than you're a little tender? Okay, okay. I see. I'm trying to understand these American concepts, but sometimes they're just weird, I'll be honest. I'm just messing, okay. <laughs> um, in my sophomore year, I rebelled against all authority, and I didn't do a wink of homework. And you know, your sophomore year in our country, at least that's the case, lays the foundation of your senior mathematics curriculum. If you didn't get the foundation, the rest is about impossible to grasp. And so during that particular year, I rebelled against all authority, and I did not did not get those basics in. I tried my best in my ninth, in my in grade 11 um, to get back in it, but I just couldn't because my foundation, I could, and, I, and I didn't have the, the resources and the, the, the opportunity to go back to that. And so I just kept, you know, knocking over and falling over math because I never did. Now, was I sorry? Sure, I was. Did I, did I actually change my life around in my 11th grade and come back to Jesus? I actually did. Did it change my math marks? Not one bit. And there's a, there's a truth in that that we're going to discuss today. That is a reality that is often hard to, to come to terms with. But if we do, we can bring change. And so that's where we want to go. So bottom line is, if you don't like the fruit of your marriage... Maybe it's time for you to stop sowing seeds of selfishness and self-centeredness. Maybe it's time for you to start sowing seeds of servanthood and love. Same with your family, with your kids. Maybe it's time to sh stop sowing seeds of, of argumentativeness and just trying to control everything. And maybe it's time you start sowing seeds of serving and loving and being understanding and, and, and providing wisdom, being available. All those little things are seed you're sowing in a specific area that will help you to create a harvest in that specific area area because you reap what you sow you can't expect to be re, uh, to be sowing into uh, the area of let's say 
you know, good governance or hard work at your, at your, at your place of occupation um, and expect your relationships to just automatically also be good because they're different seeds and you have to treat each of them as a different um, project in a sense. You have, to, you have to be intentional with both if you're going to have a good harvest in both. So um, Paul reminds us of this sea time, harvest time principle in Scripture and just different ways that this plays out in life. For instance, uh, Proverbs 26 says, If you set a trap for others, you yourself will get caught in it. If you roll a boulder down to crush others, it will crush you instead. Proverbs 22, those who plant injustice will harvest disaster. Now think of it, you're you're being unjust to maybe person X, and what you're not knowing is that is a seed that person X might never affect you in any way, and you think you got away with that, but around the corner is another guy that's going to treat you like you treated person X. You're going to reap disaster. Because that's how this earth works. That's how this, this place works. Um, those who, um, 2 Corinthians 9, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. So it's almost like you've got the power of determination. If you want to see a great harvest in the area of your relationships with your parents, you need to sow into that relationship. If you want a great harvest in the area of your job, you need to sow great seed into that area. And the last one is um, Matthew 6. If you refuse to forgive others, so the second last one, your father won't forgive you. Forgiveness is even a seed. That if you forgive a person who hurt you, number one, God will forgive you, but you're also laying a seed down that one day when you hurt somebody else, that they will also forgive you. Last one, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. What's the inverse? If you don't train up a child in the way that they should go, when they're old, they'll choose wherever they want to go. And it might not be the correct way. It might not be God's way. And so in every one of our life, areas of our lives, we need, to, we need to plant good seed. And that's why God says that Jesus needs to be Lord of our lives. You see, the Lord means that He is the master. We're no longer the highest authority of our own lives. Jesus becomes the highest authority, which means that every single aspect of my life is now submitted to His governance. Remember we spoke about the kingdom of God being not a religion or a faith, necessarily a faith, but rather it's actually a a governmental system. It's a system of authority that comes into your life and replaces the one who sat on the throne more and puts Jesus on the throne of my life who now makes the decrees over me who now calls the shots over me and so if Jesus says no it's no I don't go negotiating I don't go flirting with that line I don't go maybe considering can I do this it's a no because I know if I do I'm planting seed for destruction in my life. But if I obey, I'm planting seed for a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of good to come to me, right? He wants to be Lord over every aspect of our lives. He wants to be Lord over how you act at work. He wants to be Lord over how you act on holiday. He wants to be Lord over how you act in your house, outside your house, everything. 
He wants to be Lord of everything. Because if He is, our lifestyles are in line with sowing the seeds of righteousness. That if we will not grow weary in doing, in due time will give us the kind of reward that we all want. We all like it. But sometimes we just, we follow our own minds. And then we produce a harvest inadvertently. A flesh harvest. A harvest that is corrupt by itself and ends up hurting us and those around us. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So here's the big idea that we have to come to terms with. You're reaping today what you sowed yesterday. It's just a fact. And you can look at that in your body. You can look at that in your health. You can look at that in your soul. You can look at that in very, very many different ways. You're reaping today what you sowed yesterday. And we have to take responsibility of that. But first we need to realize that this is not God's fault. This is not God punishing us. This is just us reaping what we sowed. And so if it was us producing what we sowed, then we have the power also by His grace to actually sow the right seed and produce a good harvest. Okay, so here's what Pastor Andy Stanley says. Um, he's a real good Bible teacher. And he says the following. He says, where you are today is a result of decisions you made in the past. And where you will be tomorrow is connected to what you do today and did yesterday. Your current um, there's a relationship between your current irresponsibility or responsibility and what you can expect in the days, months, and years to come. We must realize that Paul doesn't say in Galatians that we will reap what we sow unless we ask for forgiveness. Wait, what did I just say? Paul doesn't say you reap what you sow unless you ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't erase necessarily the seed that we've sown. And that sometimes shows up in our lives as consequences of past activities and decisions. How many of you faced a consequence for something that you did? Either you got grounded or you failed a test or you got fired or you lost a relationship, right? There are consequences for our actions and even if we say we're sorry for what we did and we ask God to forgive us for what we did, very often those consequences are not erased. But here's what does happen, and this is beautiful. God forgives us and He, by His grace, empowers us to fix it. He empowers us to change what comes. Even though what has happened happens and i have to deal with that he does give us the power within that scenario to stand up and start changing so that it can produce a better harvest for the future so i already said like you know we can't expect to do good in one area and then to reap the harvest in the other area it's like for like and we have to remember that it doesn't help you saying hey but i'm a christian and i've been serving on the ushering team why is my marriage falling apart? Why isn't God fixing my marriage? Right? You have to fix your marriage. Now, I want to take us to a little story in the Bible that's called the story of the prodigal son because it really explains this whole tension between, okay, I sowed, I'm reaping. What about the forgiveness of God? And how does that lead me to what I can do to do, a, to do about this? So for those of you who don't know the prodigal son story, it's a story of a son, a Jewish boy, who's the youngest son of two, basically goes to his father and says to him, effectively, I wish you were dead because I need my inheritance. 
So his father graciously goes, splits his estate. He gives the inheritance to the son. The son turns everything into money and goes and lives the high life. He makes horrible decisions. He, you know, is the, you know, the bee's knees for a couple of months and then his money runs out. Famine hits and he loses everything. He loses his friends. He loses his, uh, his, his esteem. You know, uh, he loses his status. And not only does he lose everything he owned, he also lost the relationship with his father, with his family. He lost uh, being welcome in his household. Um, he just loses so much. So the decisions he makes based on self-centered desire to be wealthy and to live a, a life that was different from what he was currently living, living leads him to receiving a harvest of destruction. And that harvest gives him so much loss that he ends up having to literally sell himself to work for his own upkeep. And he becomes like a, a pig keeper or a pig shepherd, which I don't know if you could be a shepherd of pigs, but he was looking after the pigs, okay? A very, very demeaning position at that time. Today, some of y'all would wish to be pig farmers, I know. But back in that time, he wasn't the pig farmer. He was the guy who was feeding the pig the sludge, and then he was wishing that he could just eat the peels in it because he was so hungry and so depraved. Not a great place to be in. But consequences of his own decisions. Am I right? Right? See what happens. He actually goes through a process of repentance, okay, where he... Um, where he says, what I've been doing is not wise. It was wrong. Even if I went back to my father and told him, look, I know I did wrong. I know I don't deserve anything from you, but will you please hire me as one of your servants? I would have a better life than I have now. Right? So he realizes that if he returns to his father, He's not going to necessarily get back everything that he lost, but at least he can be better off from where he is right now. And so he returns to his father's house. His father, in the story says, sees him coming and is just overjoyed that his son came back, right? So his father just embraces him, kisses him. He covers him. He puts a ring on his finger, puts shoes on his feet, and uh, orders his servants to hold a feast for the boy that has returned. And, I mean, the boy is just like, I don't deserve this. Just let me be a servant. Let, let me go and slaughter the cow because I, I, I just want to work for you. I know what I did was wrong. And, and his, his father says to him, no, definitely not. You're my boy. And you've come back. You was dead. Now you're alive. And he does something very significant. Through those actions that he does, he actually, he actually covers his, his son's shame. He covers his nakedness by putting a robe over him. He puts feet, shoes on his feet and saying, to, hey, you're not going to be as one of the slaves. You're going, to do our, you're going to be welcome in the house. He's saying, hey, let's put a ring back on your finger. We're restoring your identity and your authority. You're a son in the house again, which means that you are able to tell others what they need to do for you. How amazing, right? I mean, he just lost basically everything and he comes back and, 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 and his dad does all this for him. His relationship with his father is immediately just fixed and it's, it's awesome, right? But it's not complete. Look at this. The older boy comes and he is very indignant. 
Why are you doing this for this guy, this son of yours? He doesn't even call him his brother. This son of yours who treated you with such disrespect, basically wasted all your, uh, all your hard-earned um, money that you, uh, inheritance that you, that you worked for for us, and, and you haven't even done anything for me, and I've always just faithfully served you. How come you do this for him now? And so what you see is you see the older son having been hurt by the actions of the youngest son. And just the fact that the youngest son came back to his father didn't automatically fix his relationship with his brother. Right? And there's another thing. His father says to his older boy, Look, look at what I have. This all belongs to you. That boy is not getting another dime. This belongs to you. And so the son comes back, he realizes his mistake, he asks forgiveness, but he's still dirt poor. He still has nothing. And if you can just fill in the story for yourself, you know, because those stories always go, I live happily ever after. You know, they don't tell you, well, did they ever have married problems because she came from that background, he came from that background. But no, it's just this pretty picture, you know. Well, I guess that he had to then actually start working for his father to earn money. To recover financially. Yes, his father allowed him back in the house. He was a son again. And in that there was provision. There was relationship. There was reconciliation. But you know what? He still had to face the consequences of his decision. He still had nothing. And for him to recover financially, he had to, he had to start a process of recovery. And for me, that meant he had to go to work. He couldn't just step into an estate and keep managing it. He had to go and build an estate from scratch. And so the decisions he made still had a horrible effect on his life, even though he turned around. What does that mean for you and I? If you turn around from something that you're doing that is not right in one or other area of your life, let's say the way you've been treating your wife, your kids, or your boss, or, or, your, or your co-workers, or whatever, the way you've been treating your finances, your body, or whatever area there is, if you want to turn around and say, I need to start thinking about this area of my life like God is thinking about this area of my life. I want to make a turnaround right now. Guess what? There is still going to be some things that are going to remain needing to be fixed by you over time. But here's what the consolation is. is you're going to get the love of the Father, the provision, the, the help of the Father, the empowerment of the Father to cover your shame, to restore you in your, in your identity, to give you your authority back so that you are empowered to take good steps and make good things happen for a future harvest. But you see why it's necessary for us to come back to Jesus? Because if, we, if the son didn't come back to his father, he would have remained in that harvest of loss, complete loss. Coming back to the father, he was like, man, he got restored in so much. He got his relationship with his father back. But then, think of this, if he left his father's house again after that, would he have left with anything? No, he would have left with nothing. And so where did he have to stay until he was on his feet again? Right there with his father. And that's the second point that we need to know, is that you reap after you sow. The first understanding of that is that, hey, you're in the situation you're in because of seed that you sowed, right? Yeah. The second thing is that if you start sowing new seed now, it doesn't mean that like you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and everything's going to be fixed. You're still going to deal with that. 
But dealing with that doesn't mean God is not on your side. It doesn't mean that He hasn't accepted you. It doesn't mean that He hasn't taken you in. And it doesn't mean that He's there for you to walk with you further. It simply means you're facing a consequence of something that you did in the past. You're reaping a harvest. And the best thing you can do when you're in a situation like that is just start planting for the new harvest. Just start planting. And this is why you have to consider yourself to be a seed. Because sometimes you give our lives to Jesus. We step into an environment like this and we kind of start coming to church. And two, three months down the line, you know, we have an amazing experience. year down the line, we're still facing some of the consequences that we're having to deal with. Look, if you had a divorce... A blended family is always going to be a consequence of that decision. It's just a matter of fact. But what you don't know is that God will give you the grace to walk through that and in the midst of that, plant good seeds so that more relational destruction won't come to your house. And so God's redemptive plan kicks into place once we return to Him. But it is a plan. And you have to almost sow yourself into the soil of His kingdom and allow His principles and His way of life to get a hold of you for long enough until a new harvest develops that starts coming and overriding the previous one. And that overtakes the previous one and creates again a harvest of righteousness. You see how this works in our seed time harvest reality? In our cause and effect reality, we don't just get exempt from consequences. You're going to have to face them and walk through them. Now, I'm facing consequences in many areas, but what I want to share today is like some of the consequences I'm facing in my, my personal body. Like I never really learned to discipline myself with regular exercise, right? And so I was never the kind of guy that needed it for like maintenance and for and for like, you know, just my genetics is just of such nature that... I didn't need exercise to be relatively okay. However, I didn't, do, I, I didn't treat my body well, and I would not treat my back well. And, I would, and because I wasn't living a lifestyle of, 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 of regular being actually being fit, my body grew old before I even realized it. And right now I'm suffering with a hip thing, you know, and like, it's like, it, sometimes it feels like my hip is coming out of my socket and some, uh, my knees are hurting, you know, <laughs> I've got this back thing and, 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 I, and, I, and I so regret not listening to my mom, bend your knees when you're picking up that heavy thing. It's, all right, mom, I got this. Don't worry. You know, <laughs> you would pick things up the most horrible way. And now when my back just goes out because I get wrong into the car, I go, should have listened to mom. Should have listened to mom. Should have bent my knees, Right. Everybody has stuff like that, don't we? Yeah. Now, you know what? That is true. You're going to have to face up to that and realize that, man, it's not all because, you know, you're old. No, I know an old guy who lives in Reno, Nevada, who still competes in um, Ironman competitions. He's 65. He still does, I don't know, all sorts of... um, Hello, special forces, basic trainings with, with people. He's the oldest guy who's completed successfully one of these special unit training whatnots. You know, that's very, very, very hard to complete physically. He's the oldest guy in the United States to complete that. What caused that guy to continue and be able to keep going like that and me? Well, the basic thing, better decisions. 
better decisions about how he treated himself, how he kept himself, how he, how he was careful about what he put in his body and what, his, what he put his body through. You reap after you sow. And so if you can, if you can subject yourself to an environment that teaches you how to, how to manage your, your relationships, how to manage your family, how to manage your finances, how, you can over time build a better harvest, but you have to remain faithful. And that's why the verse in Galatians 6, 9 is so important. Do not grow weary in doing good because in due season you will reap a good harvest if you do not give up. If you do not give up. This point, the third point that I want to make is that seed tends to give a bigger harvest than just replacing itself. Seed harvest is always more than the seed that was sown. That's a natural principle, right? And so sometimes a little bad decision ends up being just a massive like disaster in our lives. And but for the grace of God, that would always be the case. You would make a little mistake and it will just completely destroy your life. Aren't you thankful that we live in an environment where God covers for us, where God actually helps us out? To, but He doesn't remove the consequence entirely from us because He still wants us to grow. He still wants us to become the person that makes the best decision about what, I, what seed I need to plant because that character development that happens on the inside of us turns us into the image of His Son. And so that's why He doesn't, doesn't remove all our consequences from us. This world will always have consequences, but the way we deal with them determines whether we're going to turn into the image of the Son or whether we're going to stay created in our own likeness. And that is the call and that is the invitation today to all of us that if you will plant good seeds, that if your character will grow, you will become like Jesus. We will become more and more like Jesus Christ. Um... best thing you can do about the harvest that you're currently reaping today is to just start changing the seed that you're sowing for tomorrow so i want you to consider what is it that you need to change in your life what's been happening with you and how can you start changing the seed you're sowing in that situation psalm 126 says this those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant, but they sing. They sing as they return with the harvest. God is saying, if you will return to me, I will enable you to start doing things the way I want them done in that area of your life. If you start planting those seeds in that area of your life, you'll start reaping a different harvest not long from now. And in the meantime, I'm still going to give you my grace. I'm still going to give you my love. I'm still going to give you my presence. I'm still going to, you still reconciled with me. I'm still on your side. I'm not punishing you. You're just working through consequences of your own bad decisions. But if you will stick by me, I will help you navigate through it. And I will put you back on your feet so that you can start working towards building a new harvest and, and planting for a new harvest. So the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, obviously. But the second best time is definitely now. 
It's right now. So you might think now, oh man, if I'd only, if I'd only, if I'd only changed this so long ago. I get that. I have stuff like that in my life too. But you know what the best thing, the next best thing is to make a decision to change that today. So let me lead you in a prayer as we stand. Think for yourself right now, where do you feel God is bringing your attention to your life, the things that He wants to see changed? And let's all take a moment now to just come to God and say, Lord, we did wrong in this area. We weren't, we weren't living in this area according to your principles, according to your word. We were following our own minds and clearly we've been reaping the destruction that follows doing that. Father, we're sorry we did that. I'm sorry I treated that person that way. I'm sorry I said those words. Lord, I'm sorry I've been entertaining that habit. Father, help me to change that. I want to come and sow good seed, start living according to your principle in this area. I'm sorry I've been treating my kids that way. I'm sorry I dishonored my parents that way. Father, help me to change that. Thank you that you're here for me. Thank you that you stand next to me as I, as I embark on this journey of obedience to your principles. Lord, I want to make you Lord of every area of my life. I pray and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. And He will not always accuse us and harbor anger against us. He does not treat us according to what our sins deserve. That's awesome. And He does not repay us according to our iniquities. Knowing God oh, gives us such relief from our past. And I want, to, I want you to realize that. The more you press into Jesus, the more you'll find that His grace, where sin abounded, grace abounds much more. He can turn it around. He can help you turn it around. He can help you navigate through it. But you have to submit to Him. You have to follow His leadership, His principles, and His guidance. Because following your own was what led you here in the first place. So make that change this week. Go and get serious with God. Go and spend time with Him personally, privately. And just make commitments. And realize it's not going to change everything. But if you bury yourself like a seed in that environment where He leads you, where He guides you, very soon you will sprout and become a healthy plant that produces a great harvest, a great character, a strong man of woman of God that he desires to see us all be.